and we're glad you're with us today. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, you're looking really good. <clears throat> Lights are out. <laughs> oh, there we go. You still look good. Turn and look at him and say, you still look good. I appreciate what God is doing. Uh, my message today, we, we've seen a lot of things happen this last week. I want to remind you that last Sunday I talked to you that there was going to be a great awakening, but it would be accompanied by chaos. So we're starting to see some of the chaos. <clears throat> the Lord dealt with me this past week, and there was a word or phrase that kept rolling over in my spirit that I kept hearing, and I was trying to make sense of it. And I'm going to share that with you today. So I'm going to ask you if you would to uh, stay attentive because I don't want to lose you in the midst of this and have you wondering what I'm talking about at the end of it. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter. Well, before I read that, let me, uh, no, let's go ahead. Okay, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we've seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Let's pray together. Father, we just ask you to have your way today. God, we're asking you, Father, to speak to us, God, and speak through us. Lord, let me decrease so you can increase. And God, I, I'm just asking you to help me to get out of the way so you can have your way. And I give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk to you about anticipation. Say that with me. Anticipation. Or agitation. So, <clears throat> how many of you have ever been agitated before? <laughs> is there anybody you know that is able just to rub you the wrong way? I mean, just, you know, are you setting close? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, agitation, I, I was talking in the first service, and I said, one of the things that, man, really agitate me are mosquitoes. Uh, I don't know if they got a sample of my DNA when they were born or something, but if we're in a room of 500 people, my faith is increasing. Last service, it was just 100. <laughs> but if we're in a room of 500 people and there's one mosquito, you're safe. It's going to find me. I have, I have fought mosquitoes my entire life. And the, the, how many of you can re relate to this when, you're, when they don't show themselves, but you know they're there? And it just goes on and on, and it becomes very agitating, doesn't it? I, I thought about how that... In this scripture, it says, 
that when Herod the king heard this and all his, and when he heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. The word troubled there means agitated. And it, it just struck me. Now you say, why are you sharing a Christmas story? It's after Christmas. It's because I want to go somewhere with this. So I want you to notice that this is his first entrance into our world as Messiah. Everybody say his first appearance. And when he comes, when the wise men come looking for him, I, I, I thought about this. They, they have been told the Messiah has been born. They've been waiting for this with anticipation for hundreds of years. And now that they hear it, it strikes me some of the things that did not happen that are not written in Scripture. Nobody's rejoicing when they find out that he came. Nobody goes looking for him. I'm talking about in Jerusalem. Let me explain something about Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the seat of authority. Everybody say the seat of authority. This is going to play into this message later. Jerusalem is the seat of authority for the Jewish nation. It's the capital of the Jewish nation. Jerusalem has always held a special place in history. In Scripture, we are instructed by God to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It, it symbolizes something. It is a seat of authority. And when, the, when they find out this, this nation at the seat of authority find out that Messiah has come, nobody's rejoicing about it. Nobody goes looking for him. They don't even declare a national holiday. I mean, it's just like what they do is they get agitated. Say it with me one more time, agitated. Doesn't that strike you odd? That the very person that they've been looking for, the, the promise they've been waiting for, instead of it bringing them joy, it brings them great agitation. So you need to understand that not everybody that day was agitated. There were some shepherds that had had angels declared to them that he was born, and they went with great anticipation looking for what they had just heard. And when they find him, they're so excited about it, they start sharing it with everyone. Somebody say, everyone. This is just a side note. When's the last time you got excited about Jesus and shared him with someone? If we're not careful, we, grow, we, have a, we have a trend of becoming apathetic, that when things around us are flowing smoothly, we just kind of get into a routine, and it's like we clock in when we come to church, you know, and clock out, and well, I've done my time this week, thank you, Lord, for a Sunday, you know, I'm, I'll see you next Sunday. That's not how this works. The other thing that somebody else that's really anticipating this are the wise men. They had studied this star since it had appeared two years prior. Now they make a long journey to Jerusalem, 
And when they go, because where else would you go looking for a king? You'd go to the capital, right? You'd go to the palace. They go to Jerusalem looking for him, and look what they have brought with them. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Everybody say they brought their best. Oh, I want you to say that again. They brought their best. I'm asking God to help us that when things don't go the way we anticipate that they should go, that we don't start backing up from God and not quite worshiping God the way we would normally worship God. Well, I really worshiped him when I was being blessed, but man, he ain't blessed me in a while. Are you breathing? You're blessed. You've got, you, you, you have to understand that every day you open your eyes and you see the sunshine and you've got a reason to worship God. As a matter of fact, when you open your eyes and the sun's not shining, you still got a reason to worship God. He's worthy. He is worthy of our worship. These men had gone to great lengths to discover where he was and now they went looking for him. Everybody say looking for him. And so it is that when Jesus comes, some people are filled with anticipation and expectation, while others are filled with frustration and agitation. I please people everywhere I go. Some are pleased to see me come, some are pleased to see me go. <laughs> I thought about how, think about this. You, you can be seeing the same thing, experiencing the same situation, but respond to it differently. We're getting ready to show a clip. I'm going to ask my volunteers to make sure they're ready and prepared. I, I ended up loading a clip that... I, don't, I, I missed the sound in it for some reason. So are my sound effects people ready? Everybody ready over there? Okay, go ahead. Woo! <laughs> oh. 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 How many of you have ever rolled a roller coaster before? Isn't it amazing that people are that are at the same place on the same ride, experiencing the same thing, how different they can act. My wife got hooked into, hoodwinked into riding the Texas Giant in Dallas at Six Flags. And the time we were there, it was the largest wooden roller coaster in the world. And she, she said she felt like she'd been in a car wreck. She, she, the pastor's wife, we were there preaching revival, and the pastor's wife kept goading her. Oh, come on, come on. They said, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, you can do it, you can do it. So she felt pressured into it, and she, all the way up there, she's got, she's agitated. 
She, she turns around and she looks at the lady getting off of the roller coaster and she said, how was it? She looked at her and said, girl, it done ripped my earrings out of my ears. <laughs> so she says, so Debbie's ready. I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. And they're, they're pressing her to get in it, you know. And, and so she's very agitated. But there are other people that are on the same ride that are throwing their hands up in the air and screaming. I've been on roller coasters. I don't throw my hands up in the air. I got them locked around the collar on my neck. Because if it comes loose, you're going to see me like this hanging on for dear life. I'm not letting go. People say, I did the cliffhanger one time. What's that? That's my hand. <laughs> it's a box. You're sitting in a box and they're pushing you to the edge and you free fall nine stories. And I'm thinking, what am I doing up here? But I checked it out from the bottom. I looked when it fell, and it was 1,001, 1,002. And I thought, man, two seconds. It was the longest two seconds of my life. <laughs> Somebody was yelling at me, open your eyes. I said, I can't, man. The G-forces were pushing my cheeks up. <laughs> Anticipation, agitation. People experiencing the same thing at the same place but responding to it differently. All of Jerusalem was troubled. Agitation. Shepherds are searching for him. Anticipation. It was his first arrival into the world. Matthew 21, starting with verse 9. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into, say it with me, Jerusalem. Say it with me. When he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? The word moved there translates to the same thing that the word troubled translated to in chapter 2. It means to agitate. So here they are. There are people surrounding him. And, and, and I need to make this, I, I need to make you aware of this. This is not the first time he'd been to Jerusalem. But this is the first time he came into Jerusalem with people declaring who he is. And as he goes in and they start crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These people are filled with anticipation and expectation. But when he hit the city, the city gets agitated. Why? Because they don't know who he is. He had been among them. He had been preaching the word of God. He'd been doing miracles. His ministry had been going on for over three years. And when he goes into Jerusalem, they ask, who is this? How can they not know who he is? They didn't know him because they were not looking for him. God was not their focus. Hear me, church. There's been a shift in things. 
And you've heard me say throughout this year, we need to get focused on God. When you come into this building, you're not a Republican. You're not a Democrat. You're a child of God. We've got to get focused on God. A party, a political party is not the answer to this nation's dilemma. A person is not the answer. God is the answer. But if we're not focused on God, then we're going to get agitated by everything that's happening around us. And then we end up getting sucked in to a whirlpool of chaos instead of standing up and declaring who he is. They came into that city declaring him, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Everybody say it with me, Hosanna. Jesus had been to Jerusalem before, but it's the first time he comes with the declaration of who he is. His first act when he hits Jerusalem is to clean things up. Take a look at Matthew 21 and 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Jerusalem is the recognized place of authority for the Jews. He came in and started cleaning things up in a place that symbolized authority. Why? Because they were pushing God completely out of the picture. Do you understand why he overturned the tables? It's because they had set all that up in what was referred to as the court of the Gentiles. It was a place that Gentiles had been, it had been set aside by God, a place where Gentiles could come in and worship God. Do you understand, even when the law was saying, you know, the Jews are separated from the Gentiles, even when that's in play, God still had a place for us. He still had a place for Gentiles where they could come in and pray, but they had put in their wares. There were doves and and oxen, and they were selling sacrifice in the temple and they had pushed out people so there was no room for them and God came in and said not in my house there's always room for you in my house do you hear what I'm saying God is getting ready to visit us again you say what's all this got to do with what we're going through how how now now watch this wait a minute I'm getting ahead of myself so he cleans it out everybody say he cleans it out And as soon as Jesus cleaned the place up, immediately miracles began to happen. Look at verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. You you need to get a picture of this. Who are they going to? They're going to a man that a moment ago had a whip in his hand. (laughs) 
driving people out of the temple. They're going to a man that had been turning, flipping tables over. Why would they run to him? Because for the first time in their life, somebody made a place for them. They were not exercised out. They were not cast out. They were welcomed in. And there, when things got cleaned up, miracles started happening. You say, Pastor, what's that? All that got to do, well, wait a minute. I'm still getting into myself. They came, the, the blind and the lame came to him anticipating something was about to happen. And he healed them. But there were others that were aggravated at what he'd done. Matthew 21 and 15. But when the chief priests and scribes, now they're not, this, this is speaking about the miracles he had just done. This isn't talking about him overthrowing the tables and driving the people out. Watch the words. But when the chief priest and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, they didn't think that turning over the tables was wonderful. But when they saw the wonderful things that he did, those people being healed, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were agitated. They were aggravated. And guess what? No miracles happened for them. Anticipation or aggravation is going to determine what you receive from God. I believe, now I'm ready. Pastor, what's this got to do with us? I believe what we're experiencing in our nation and around the world is another prelude to his appearance. The first time this happens is when he first came to the earth. His star shone. People started looking for him and others were agitated by him. That's the first time it happens. The second time it happens is when he's coming into the temple and people are declaring who he is. The third time it happens, I believe, is in the hour that we're in because he's announcing his return. He's letting people know, I'm coming back. You say, oh, pastor, I've heard that all my life. I challenge you to read the obituary column tomorrow because you're going to find out he came back for somebody. He's come back for people all along. But my friend, we are blessed to live in a generation where things are beginning to unfold that you've never seen in your lifetime. Things are starting to happen and everything is coming together. But first, everybody say first. There is a sound of a great awakening. But before it can happen, God is going to clean some things up. I want you to hear what I'm saying. God is going to clean some things up. Nero was a diabolical wretch that that was taking Christians, dipping them in wax, and using them as human torches in his garden. 
That, my friend, is a matter of history. He fought against the church. But when Rome was burning, it's recorded that Nero stood by his window playing the violin, looking out the window saying, it looks like the Nazarene won. Several years ago when I was in Russia and they sent me in the White Hall where Lenin had preached his doctrine of atheism and communism and took me up to the platform that he had lectured behind and there's a huge portrait of him behind me. I couldn't help it. I, I felt this come over me and I remembered Nero and I turned around and I looked at Lenin and I said, the Nazarene wins. Hear what I'm saying. Nations are like a drop in the bucket to God. For the last four days, I kept hearing something in my spirit. I'm not saying this is, I'm not prophesying to you. I'm telling you, this kept coming up in my spirit. I kept hearing this phrase over and over. And I, I thought, honestly, when I first started hearing it, I, I was trying to push it out. But Friday in my prayer time, all of a sudden, man, it just started coming out of me when I'm praying, and this was the phrase. God is going to wipe the plate clean. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. I told you last week that there was going to be, we were going to experience an unprecedented revival, but it would be accompanied by chaos. We're getting ready to see God wipe the plate clean and that's why I said in here we're not a Republican or a Democrat, we're Christian. Because it's going to happen on both sides of the aisle, friend. I sense in my spirit that God is coming back to visit America. We are a nation that was founded by God. If it had not been for God, we would not exist. If you study history, you'll find out during the Revolutionary War, when Washington was trying to escape from Britain, he had his men were pinned down. All his weapon cash was pinned down, and he's trying to get them down the river. He waited for night to fall, started loading them down the river, but the daylight came before he was done. He was going to be found out and the war was going to be over. But something happened. A thick fog settled in on the river that morning and you couldn't see across it until after 10 o'clock that morning when the last flatboat was out of cannonball range. Then the fog lifted and Britain saw that Washington had escaped. That wasn't the hand of Washington. That, my friend, was the hand of God. That, we are one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. If that's the case, why do they keep trying to take under God out of the pledge? Why are they trying to take in God we trust off our money? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me, and the, the team, the praise team will attest to this. At the beginning in March, when all this stuff started going down, and we were told we couldn't be inside, I was wrestling. I really thought I might end up in jail because I, I, I was determined I'm not closing the church. And I thought, well, wait a minute. What if we took the church outside? And so we went into the parking lot. 
And I started telling everyone, I said, there's something more to this virus than just a virus. I said, I can't put my finger on this. Now, this is before it ever turned political. I said, I can't put my finger on this. I said, but something's getting ready to happen. I said, we are on the verge, the beginning of a great awakening. And this is what I said. I said, there's getting ready to be a separating in the church. That God is getting ready to come to, remember, wipe the plate clean at the seat of authority. Jerusalem was a seat of authority for Israel. Washington, D.C. is a seat of authority for this nation. But the church is a seat of authority for the kingdom. That's what he's called us to do. He's getting ready to wipe it clean. Judgment starts in the house of God. I've been praying the last several weeks, God, don't let me miss this. I sense something in my spirit is getting ready to happen. I've been praying, God, give me ears to hear what you're saying. Make me sensitive to your presence because I don't want to end up looking at a rearview mirror and see that this has passed me by. Do you hear what I'm saying to us today? That this is going to be our finest hour. That this is the moment that God has been trying to prepare us for and equip us for and get us ready because we're going to step out. And see God work in a way we've never seen God work before. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. It starts here. Everybody do this with me. Here. See, it's got to start inside of me. Say that, would you? It starts inside of me. We got too many folks to say it needs to start in you. It needs to start in you. No, no, it needs to start right here in me. I think about this. You, you don't understand how hard I wrestle with preaching this today. And I, I, because I, I didn't want it to be misinterpreted. And I started thinking, God, if you can't trust me to deliver what you're giving me now, how are you going to trust me to deliver what you're giving me in the days to come. You're going to continue to see chaos. Don't get in fear. Don't be afraid. God is in control. He hasn't lost his power. He hasn't lost his ability. But once he comes through, once the plate has been swept, once the plate has been cleaned, my friend, you get ready for the ride of your life. There are going to be some twists and turns in this, like that roller coaster. There's going to be some ups and downs. But as long as God is at the helm, I'm filled with confidence and assurity that everything is okay. Everybody say, it's okay. For some, when he shows, there's great anticipation and expectation. 
For others, there's great frustration and agitation. What kind of impact does he have on you? We've got to ask ourselves that question. What kind of impact is he having on me? If I'm looking at what's going on around me, and I'm... I've been, I'm being honest with you. You know I'm being honest because if you've had conversations with people, you know where those conversations have gone. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. Do you understand? Don't don't anybody, and if, if you said that, I understand. I get it. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you we can't do that anymore. Because when we do that, it's an insult to God. You're telling God that he's not big enough to handle what's going on in this nation. This nation is a drop in the bucket. God doesn't just handle this nation. God handles this entire world. He brings men up. He brings them down. He changes the course of rivers. He changes mountains. God is in control. But if you've got your darling, if you've got some. Here's the danger we get when we start putting all of our confidence in men and our focus on men instead of God. And I'm I'm forewarning you, I'm letting you know that the sweeping that's coming is going to hit both sides of the aisle. And God is going to show himself real And he's going to get the attention of not just the church. He's going to have the attention of the world. And I've been praying and asking God, get me ready now. Get me ready now. I can't look. When March happened, I knew we were on the verge of something. We baptized more people this year than we have in any year since I've been here. Do you? That doesn't make sense. God is on the move. God is waiting. Waking up people's hearts, he's stirring lives. It's time for us to say, Here I am, God. Use me. Are you ready for it? Come to me. Are you ready for it? You know what it's like to be on a bench waiting to get to go into the game? I got, I was playing football when I was younger guy hit me in the mouth and it, you know it was it was a uh, I'll say I'll say it it was an illegal block I nearly bit through my lip I my teeth almost came out the other side of my lip and I was I, I was bleeding and everything and they said Rick you got to go you got to go I said one more snap give me one more snap The snap came, and the guy that hit me was on the ground trying to figure out what had hit him. What are you saying? It's time for us to get a backbone instead of a wishbone. It's time for the church to stand up and recognize how powerful our God is. Oh, but pastor, you're no match for the devil. The devil's no match for my God. Do do you understand what I'm saying? 
get the focus in the right place. The focus isn't on us. It's on him. And he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above more than you ask or think. I'm getting ready to have you stand with me. As a matter of fact, go ahead and stand with me. I want you to hear what I'm going to say and take note of it. The day of straddling a fence is over. You're going to find yourself literally being pulled one way or pushed another because there's no more middle ground now. You have to make up your mind. I choose Jesus. Everybody say it with me. I choose Jesus. But what about who the president is? I choose Jesus. But what about the Supreme Court? I choose Jesus. But what about my retirement? I choose Jesus. I went through something right before I went to Russia in 1991. When I got ready to go to Russia in 1991, something similar to this had happened. There was great agitation at the seat of authority in Russia. I was there just a few weeks after tanks had rolled down into the Red Square and they had had that big standoff. And after the plate was wiped, <laughs> revival broke out. I went into Russia carrying Bibles and had people grab my hand and start kissing my hand for giving them a Bible. And I jumped off of a stage I was on. I looked at them and I said, no, man, don't kiss my hand. I said, I'm not better than you. I'm your brother. I just came to let you know that daddy loves you. He cares about you. He's got everything in his control. They burned Bibles in the middle of the streets. They turned churches into stables for horses. They bulldozed down over 50 churches in the, in the city of Leningrad. When I got, I was, look, man, it was a, I, I was privileged to be there at a special moment of time. When all of a sudden the city of Leningrad got a name change back to St. Petersburg. <laughs> what was happening? God was saying, you can't hold me out. You can't keep me pushed back. I'm coming in whether you like it or not. <laughs> I'm coming in whether you like it or not. How about it? Are you ready for him? Are you ready for him to use you? This is what I want you to pray with me today. If you're able spread out in the front I, I, I just I, I want you or, or get to a place where you, you know you got a little bit of room so you can worship God stick your hands up in the air I'm asking you with me to begin to say God wipe the plate clean here first wipe anything that's in me that's not pleasing to you I want you to get it out of me because I'm not going to miss what you're getting ready to do. I want to make sure that 
all hands are on deck. I want to make sure that we are ready for what God is doing. Would you pray with me right now? Come on, right here, right here. Begin to cry out, God, in your name, Lord, come and sweep this house. Get everything out that's not like you, God. Lord, and give me, equip me. Give me confidence, assurance, and faith that you're going to do what you promised you would do. You said that your spirit would be poured out on all flesh. I thank you, God, that I'm part of the flesh you're pouring your spirit out on. I receive it right now. I'm emptying myself of my fears, of my anxiety, and I'm reaching out and taking hold of faith and declaring that if God is for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They're going to come and sing. Before you go, I know I've shared this story, but I can't help it. It's coming up in my spirit. I'm getting older, so I'm telling it again. There's a ship, a passenger ship that is in a storm. Waves are hitting that boat and threatening to capsize it. People are running frantic across the decks, screaming for fear of their lives. Fights broke out over life jackets. And in the midst of that chaos, one young boy sat in the middle of a deck with his eyes glued to a porthole window that was in a door. Not moving, not frantic, but just sitting there peacefully watching. A man came running up to him, son, what's wrong with you? Don't you know we're about to die? Get a life jacket. Women coming up, son, what's wrong with you? Don't you understand we're going to die? And finally, he looked and he turned and he looked at them and he said, I want you to look through that window. And when they looked through that window, they saw the captain of the ship with a wheel in his hand. And when a wave would hit that ship, the captain would pull it back on course. And that young boy looked at him and he said, that's my daddy. And I've seen him bring this ship through a lot worse than this. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Our best days are not behind us. They are in front of us. Sing it. Come on. Lift up your hands and sing for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Roll your trumpets and shout. Praise the Lord of victory. The weapons we use are not bombs or guns. Worship is the way the battle is won. what I'm asking you to do 
to shake off your fear, to get rid of your agitation, and begin to look with anticipation at what God is going to do. I want you to sincerely pray for this nation. I want you to pray that God will reveal the truth. Why, Pastor? Because you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Why do you, why do you think Hitler and Mussolini and dictators fight so hard to shut the church down? It's because they know that where God is, there's a spirit of liberty. And when we got the truth, the Bible said that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And whom the Son is set free, my friend, is free indeed. God bless you. We love you. It's a victory march in Jesus' name. Yeah.